0: When the replay official did not stop I, the game i'm not gonna
1: comment on that i'll get fined for the rest of my life if i get commented on that
2: we had a great belief in our locker room we didn't have to do anything special just be us i was so proud of this team we had so much fun it ought to be illegal
3: any idiot can say whatever they want and they usually do and they're negative negative. and all i see to me i've gotten to a point now when i see things like that i feel sorry that those people feel that way, that their lives don't have the purpose, the passion, and the excitement and the enjoyment that some of us do. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East.
0: Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um... A lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like it was like an anniversary or
4: something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down.
3: And as my, as the head football coach at South Carolina, my job is to do what I feel is best for the University of South Carolina football program today and going forward in the future. And that's what I did. We wish him well and uh, have nothing but uh um uh, uh we, we wish him well
5: welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast I'm your host Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter and I'm flying solo on this show cousin Shane working late couldn't make it but there's just so much going on around the SEC didn't want to go another day without giving you guys a pod and uh, hey before we get rolling here there's quite a bit of news, so I want to jump into it as soon as I can. Check out, if you haven't already, our T Public merchandise store. That information can be found in your show notes. The reason I bring it up, all our shirts on sale through Friday. So you've got a couple days to hit that up if you haven't already. $13 shirts. I personally like the extra soft ones. I think they cost 2 maybe $3 more, but they're worth it. Really good stuff from T Public. We've got all 14 SEC teams covered and a couple hey buddies out there. So, and hey, if you guys ever have an idea for a shirt, feel free to shoot it our way because we're designing these and putting them on T Public. So, you guys could have uh, some insight on the next T shirt we make. But uh, hey, that's all I wanted. I just wanted to spiel about that before we get going here. But like I said, we got a ton to get to. So, let's go around the league. Now let's go around the league. league. My my daughters
3: said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out.
1: I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West.
2: Why why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us.
4: In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you!
5: All right, we've got to start with some bad news, of course. Jumping on down to
0: Athens.
5: (laughs) With the big news in the SEC on Wednesday, George Pickens, unfortunately, tore his ACL in a non-contact play during Georgia fall camp. It's just devastating. You know, this was a money year for George Pickens. But, uh, you know, the way these uh, surgeries are going now, there's been guys like Amari Rodgers tore his ACL, I believe, in the spring. He played for Clemson. We've seen, I know it's a little bit different, but Jalen Waddle, I mean, he got hurt for Alabama, broke his, what was it, his ankle, I think it was, on October 24th. He was suiting up by January. So SEC, we've got the best. Not only we got the best players, best coaches, the best fans, but we got the best doctors, too. So look for George Pickens hopefully to make an appearance by the end of the season. If not, if you know, if he can't make it back, you're not going to rush a guy like this because he may be off to the NFL. He's just of that caliber of an athlete and tough blow because there's just not a lot of guys on Georgia's roster that do what George Pickens does. And Georgia is pretty loaded at receivers, so this is not a devastating blow or anything in, in terms of, you know, I've been hyping up Georgia as the SEC East winner I like him to win the entire SEC losing George Pickens doesn't knock them from that pedestal in my opinion. And it's because they got so much talent aside from George Pickens at that receiver position, but make no mistake. I've seen other people suggest he's not the best Georgia receiver. I think he is, but we saw guys come on at the end of the season like a uh, Jermaine Burton, Kiaris Jackson had a hell of a year last year and, I know if you look at these guys' numbers, particularly I'm thinking about George Pickens, his numbers don't jump off the page last season, but that had, to me had more to do with uh, you know just the struggles of Stetson Bennett and Dewan Mathis to get him the ball. Because once JT Daniels stepped into that starting lineup, George Pickens really emerged as a go-to guy for the Bulldogs in 22 career games, 14 touchdowns. That should just give you an indication of how good George Pickens is, but who are the guys now that uh, Georgia will be relying on to step up? And I've seen a lot of people mention Burton, Kiaris Jackson, but I think those are just two easy answers to go with because they're basically the next guy on the depth chart. So those guys will be tasked with making up the production of a George Pickens, but they don't really feel that role that Pickens did with this team with, uh, you know, just being a red zone target or third and seven, third and six. Who's the guy you go to? It's got to be George Pickens. Now that he's not there for the Bulldogs, who is that going to be? Who's a big, I don't want to call him a possession receiver because he's a lot more than that. But if I'm looking at George's roster, one guy that I think can replace George Pickens' production and role in the offense. This may be cheating a little bit because he's technically a tight end, but I'm going Darnell Washington, going into his second year in the program, just a nightmare, freakish athlete, Antonio Gates-type player. And I know that's not exactly what George Pickens was, but I think Darnell Washington could become that if need be, because I don't know how often they're going to be you know, rolling out traditional tight end, and, and a guy like Washington it might be foolish to ask him to do that anyway. So I think he's going to be key for the Bulldogs this season. And if you say that is cheating, give me some receivers. One guy I've been hearing some hype about, Justin Robinson, redshirt freshman. He's got a similar stature as George Pickens. Now, what makes George Pickens so outstanding it was just uh, you know his ability to, to kind of do it all at that bigger frame. I've not seeing Justin Robinson do that just yet, not have the hands of George Pickens that we've seen. But look for him to potentially fill into that spot. And then one wild card... It's maybe too much to be asking of a true freshman, but one guy that I liked out of the state of Tennessee, Adonde Mitchell, true freshman. Again, it's kind of ridiculous to ask a true freshman to step in and replace an All-American. I'm not suggesting that's going to happen, but maybe he can fit some of uh, what Pickens was going to do in that Todd Munkin offense going into 2021. So you hate it for George Pickens? Kirby did have a little comment here. I'll read this. This is uh, released from Georgia after confirming the news. Good news is the MRI showed an isolated injury. No other structures involved. George is a hard worker. I know he will bring the same work ethic to rehab that he shows in practice every day. That was Kirby Smart. So, again, devastating for George Pickens. Tough, tough injury. But, uh... The only thing I can say, and it's not a positive. i don't. There There is no positives here, but at least it happened when it did. Georgia's going to have plenty of time to adjust, even in spring camp. So, hate it for George Pickens. Hope he gets back to field as soon as possible. All right, let's jump on down to Alabama. Roll Tide! Big news here. Jay Graham, former Tennessee and Texas A&M running backs coach joined Nick Saban's staff there as a special teams coordinator, tight ends coach, and here in the first week of camp abruptly leaves. And everyone was assuming that this had to be related to the investigation at Tennessee. That's not the case. That's not what I've heard. I heard he walked away, and then, of course, Jay Graham released a statement. It's a little too long to sit here and read, but basically he says he's taking time away from football to seek professional help immediately to gain a better understanding of mental health and spend time with loved ones so you hate to see this i know i was uh i was feeling like a dick because i poked fun of jay graham after this news after he kind of mocked uh, tennessee's losing streak there's a lot better bigger issues than that and uh you know hope he gets the help he needs and this is a tough thing for a lot of people to deal with man a lot of people hide and conceal this type of stuff so this couldn't have been easy for jay graham to do i mean this I don't know if you want to call it national news, but he'll big news in the SEC. And now everybody knows that uh, he's dealing with issues behind the scenes, giving up an opportunity to coach for a potential SEC, potential national championship team. A lot of people touting up the Crimson Tide, having not only uh, the, the best running back room, but with their Will Riker returning, he's one of the best kickers in the nation. Jay Graham would have been working with him. And so many talented players on that Crimson Tide roster. Jay Graham now will not be able to coach next season. Really hate it for him. And here on Wednesday, Nick Saban kind of addressed all that during his uh, spring, his second press conference of the spring. So let's kick it over to Coach Saban.
2: I think you all saw the statement that Jay Graham, you know, put out. Um, You know, look, you know, we – Jay made a decision to do what he did, and um, we're going to support him every way that we can. Uh, and we certainly wish him and his family the very best for what they do. Uh, obviously, our plan is to improvise and adjust. I think we have other people that can help us coach special teams. Todd Watson, you know, who was an assistant uh, intern doing special teams, we just activated him to, you know, do it for now, and we'll start a search and see if we can find the best coach and. You know, there's no timetable for doing that. Um, We want to really try to get the best person that we can get. It's not an ideal time. Lots of people in spring practice, so we'll just have to see how it goes and how that process ends up. We just started that a little bit today.
5: All right, so, man, I hate to keep bringing up Tennessee. I feel like the big Tennessee homer over here. That's Shane. But Todd Watson now steps into that role. Tennessee fans should know that name. He was uh, Jeremy Pruitt's right-hand man. So <laughs> one Tennessee man steps away, another one steps up. That's just what they got going on down there in Alabama. They got an army of former Tennessee coaches. They, they, I thought they they just got rid of Butch. Now they, got a, they replaced him with a couple others. So, <laughs> I mean, this is not going to really affect the dynasty that is Alabama football. But, you know, just the bigger news here, Jay Graham walking away from it and now Alabama's got a position to fill I like the fact that Saban's not rushing to do it and I think I mean he said it there I mean just the timing of all this with so many people in so many teams currently in spring practice kind of makes it a very tough position coach Saban's in so look for him to fill this position by you know I think he's going to do it till he's going to wait till after camp because I think his focus will be on this not interviewing guys reaching out to guys I'm sure he'll be doing that any spare moment he's got, but uh, I just don't know how much time he's going to have in the next couple of weeks. Wait till after the spring game to fill that role. But interesting news there out of Alabama. All right. One thing we've not hit on here. Let's jump on down to Gainesville. Where I've been meaning to speak about this. I'm, this is uh, the one that we missed out on the last podcast, but hell you wouldn't even know it because uh, they've been keeping their program in the dark here, but Florida Gators have wrapped up spring football already. Held a scrimmage over the weekend, and that was closed to the media, closed to the fans, no spring game. So, you know, we're all kind of taking uh, guesses of of what the hell's going on down there, and, you know, you hear things from sources and whatnot, but who knows what's true and what's not because, you know, limited access down there. I I hate to say Dan Mullen's trying to keep things in the dark because usually he opens this up. Fans and first responders and all this, he's, He's had multiple practices open to the public, so not really sure that's the case. Maybe just, a, I don't know, extra precautions or what have you, but the rest of the SEC's open it wide open, still kind of confused that the Florida Gators have it. but So we just got to take them for you know what they're saying down there. And Coach Mullen had quite a bit to say. I'm going to break this one up here, but no surprise. I mean, as expected, no quarterback competition for the starting position. Dan Mullen said he's trying to identify two starting quarterbacks. Of course, Emory Jones is going to be the main starter, and then they want Anthony Richardson or whoever to step up, maybe uh, one of these freshmen step up. But let's kick it over to Coach Mullen, talking about uh, Emory Jones exiting the spring, who it sounds like he had one of his better performances in the final scrimmage of spring. So ending it on the right note, let's kick it over to Coach Mullen.
1: Entering the offseason to start in quarterback. I know you don't like to proclaim this, but... You, I, you know, know what? Like. It's so hard for me because I don't even think in those terms right now. <laughs> of, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, you would have to say yes, but I don't... I, I would say, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I'll give you an honest answer. So I would say yes, but I don't think of it in terms like that. Because, you know, I mean, I'm so much in... I mean, you got to prepare at least two quarterbacks ready to, to, to go. Does that make sense? So... Yeah. You know, I, my thought process is okay. We're gonna have I, how are we getting two starters ready, and then we're gonna be young after. You know, we have the two young guys. So then we got then. What's the backup plan after we have two starters? Does that kind of make sense? I, I don't. I, I don't know if I'm explaining it the right way, but in my mind that makes sense. You know what I mean? So it's it's instead of hey Emory's the starter, you're the backup. We need two starters, and then I got to figure out the backup situation beyond that. Um, you know, and then the other things, we're, we're constantly on him, consistency. Um, you know, and the consistency within his performance. He has, he, you know, has great talent to go make plays. Uh, the getting the timing down, we have, you know, we have some younger receivers getting all the timing down with them. Uh, and that, that, him taking that role, you know, both, both, both really he and Anthony. You know, I talked to the guys today, and yesterday really it was about it, uh, about, you know, quarterbacks and receivers right now. You have April, May, June, and July. You have four months where you guys can get out there. You get your timing down. You get that exactness down. You get comfortable with each other and where you're going to be and how you're going to make the throws. Um, And you get the communications down. uh, Beyond the coaching, where you guys have that kind of feel of how guys are going to be on the field. I think that's a huge part for those guys moving forward.
5: All right, we all know Dan Mullen, quarterback, whisperer. We like... (laughs) That's such a stupid saying, but it it applies here. I mean, he really does know what he's doing with the quarterback position. And not only that, but he's always had guys in the backup role ready to go if need be. And you know, this is interesting because I was thinking about this. It wasn't that long ago everyone assumed Emory Jones was going to be the guy to replace Felipe Franks. Now, of course, this was before Felipe Franks went down. During the uh, 2019 season, and Kyle Trask stepped up and just played absolutely fantastic football, and and that obviously led into his 2020 season. But Emory Jones was that guy, Dan Mullen's star recruit, I believe, of his first ever signing class there in Gainesville. It fits the offense more mobile of a guy, but I wonder if that's playing into his head at all that the fact that uh, you know he stuck it out. He's being coached by one of the best quarterback uh whispers there is there are not only in college football but the NFL so you know you got to have faith in Emory Jones to be able to execute when called upon this season but I don't know it's it also sound like here reading between the lines it sounds like Dan Mullen's not too pleased with the guys behind Emory Jones so is it the fact that Emory Jones is playing so well or is it the fact that the rest of the quarterback's not ready to Step up, not taking that next step. So that's just something to think about. That's something to think about there. But, hey, on the bright side, it's not all bad. Because it sounds like Florida's defense was the dominant side of the ball. Dan Mullen says he likes uh, the running backs. But it, a lot of the defensive players stand it out as well. So let's kick it over to Dan Mullen talking about, uh, you know, the defense taking a big stride. They had to t- they're going to have to take a huge stride if they're going to compete in the SEC East, defend their SEC East title. So he talks about that and uh, what he learned this spring about his current team.
4: Does the
1: defense, last one, defense ended on a sour note last year. There was a lot of, you know, outside noise about the you know, performance of the defense. So how good do you feel about that group? Exiting spring, and do you feel like last year is this going to prove to be an anomaly now? Well, I think you know, I think there's, there's, I think you have to look at, I look at every little detail and look what was bad and what was good last year on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I thought our defense had a really good spring. You know, I mean, you'd say the defense won pretty much most of all the scrimmages um, that we had. Uh, you know, so I think overall the defense had a very good spring. And, uh, but, we got to continue to take those steps and create that depth. And I think, you know, there 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 are some negative things about the defense last year. But also, I look at are we making adjustments and improvements to change those things uh, in certain areas? You know, and and where were they? What were they? And and you know, I mean, it's easy to look statistically at certain things. Um, but then, you know, statistics, you can tell you, maybe tell you what, like you look and say, okay, but w- why are the statistics that way? What made them that way? And are we addressing those factors? And I think, you know, we have a, we have some good coaches. I think Todd's an excellent football coach that he's able, you know, when you look at this is the problem, how do we go fix the problem? And how are we making adjustments to make sure we're doing that?
4: Hey, Dan, uh, anything that you. Um... Going into spring and then coming out of spring, you felt like you learned about uh, this team, and especially just having a spring? Well,
1: I think having a spring certainly helps. Um, I think we're going to be able to come back now as a coaching staff uh, that we weren't able to do last year and really put together offensive and defensive things that we're able to put guys in position to do what they do well. I think we'll eliminate some things on both sides of the ball, uh, and we might emphasize some other things a little bit more. Uh, You know, whether we're kind of – you know, you kind of put a lot in. Now we're going to go trim all the fat and say, okay, this is what we did well. Here's what we – you know, hey, these are things we don't do well. So, if we're – you know, whether it's in in certain situations, we're not going to be – how do we address these situations that we're not great in or avoid those situations? And then here, play-by-play, here's things that guys do well, we don't do well, we execute well, we don't execute well. This is the type of plays this player can make. This is the type of plays they don't make as well. So let's scheme around all of those strengths, and I think we're going to have a much better. I think we do have a, uh, I you know, a pretty good feel. And you know, uh, certainly watching us, and I, I always think probably more through an offensive mind, just generally who I am. Of, hey. I have a good idea. This is the type of – this is the emphasis of the offense going to be moving forward. Uh, you know, but I also look at guys, and these guys made a lot of plays defensively. Make sure these guys are in the rotation. I don't, I don't want – make sure those, like, you know, key moments of the game, I, I don't have a great player standing next to me on the sidelines that's made a lot of plays for us. Make sure we're, whatever we got to do to tweak to get those guys on the field, they're on the field.
5: All right, so there you have it from Coach. And, you know, if the running backs are the strength of the team, Maybe not so much Emory Jones passing ability, although Dan Mullen sure has hyped up this guy's ability to throw the ball. So, you know, maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into all this, but this offensive line under John Hevesy, it's got to come together. Because if it's if it's a liability like it has been, and particularly in the running game the, the past couple of seasons, Florida's offense I think is going to be in trouble. So that's something to consider. But on the flip side, like I said, I'm – I feel like a Debbie Downer here talking about the Gators. I've been preaching, man. I think I know Todd Grantham's not a popular guy. Probably losing Florida fans as I say this, but still got confidence in him to get it done. Replace. There was a lot of issues, obviously, in the secondary last year. Well, hell, we just replaced both secondary coaches, so maybe we uh, solve that problem by fixing communication issues with those assistants and maybe Todd Grantham and the players. So. I think with another year, now we got the full spring. we got a whole spring camp. We're going to have a training camp upcoming. I look for Florida to be, I don't know if dominant. That's probably going to be too far of a stretch to say. But that Florida defense we saw in 2019, 2018, I mean, these were some pretty solid units here. So I look for the Florida Gators to get back to that. And if they do win the SEC East this year, it's going to be because of that defense. That's kind of my little hot take there that I have for the Gators coming out of spring football. All right, guys, wanted to take a quick break from the show to remind you that we're brought to you by MyBookie. Head on over to mybookie.ag today and use that promo code, that sec, that's T-H-A-T-S-E-C, to secure a deposit bonus of up to $1,000. Make sure you use that promo code so they know we hooked you up. Once again, it's that T-H-A-T-S-E-C to claim your first deposit bonus today. Of course, it's March Madness. We still got Arkansas and and Alabama dancing all the way to the Sweet 16, hopefully the Final Four. But it's not just SEC teams you can bet on. You can bet on all 16 teams, obviously, in the tournament. NBA, NHL, whatever you're into, you can bet that on over at mybookie.com. That a g today no matter the sport no matter the minute my bookie puts the action in your hands with live in-game betting choose from thousands of lines and odds that you can turn any game day into payday bet anytime anywhere with my bookie and again that promo code that s-e-c-t-h-a-t s-e-c on over at my bookie All right, let's hop it on down to Oxford.
4: Hottie, totty, Ole Miss.
5: Because the Rebels have opened up Spring Camp, and there's a ton of hype around this team. Finished the season winning four or five, beat Indiana in a bowl game, and normally you'd say, well, hell, it's just Indiana. Indiana was ranked number 11 at the time, I believe, or their borderline top 10. They may have, hell, they may have even been in the top 10. They were the hot team, and Ole Miss. Beat the hell out of them. So, once again, (laughs) I mean, no surprise there, right? SEC beats Big Ten. But there's tons of factors here to like about Ole Miss. And I think the most obvious one, Matt Corral returning. A lot of Heisman hype and all that. How are the Rebels going to handle all that? And one other thing that uh, I don't know if I've specifically hit on. I don't like to give out stats when Shane's on the show. He can't handle the stats. But uh, according to Bill Connolly's returning production for 2021 across the SEC, Ole Miss, number one in the SEC, returning 81% of their entire production, 78% on offense, 83% on defense. So build some hype at the end of the year, bringing back key players like Matt Carell, like all the running backs, Basically, everybody on damn defense. I know the defense was nothing to write home about, but in year two of the system. And don't forget, they're getting guys like uh, Navy transfer Jacob Springer, who had to sit out last year. He's eligible. Otis Reese, how many games did he get last year? Two or three from the transfer from Georgia. Now he'll have a full year. I mean, we got the makings of a spicy team here. Remember, I thought Ole Miss was going to suck last year. The only thing that sucked about Ole Miss was my prediction. So, hey, now we got a a new issue here, kind of. And it's a good issue to have dealing with expectations. That's kind of a new word there since uh, ever since the Matt Luke era, there's not been expectations on in Oxford. That's something Lane Kiffin tackled here during his first spring press conference.
3: You guys obviously had pretty good success last season, probably not as much as you wanted to have, but nationally you guys got a lot of acclaim. So there's, kind of higher expectations externally around your program as you get ready for 2021. Is that something you, you talk about
0: with your team? Um, not yet. You know, we probably will eventually, Um, you know, but it's good to have some energy around. And, um, you know, with that comes expectations, you know, as a team and, and as individuals, especially, you know, some players like the quarterback coming back after, you know, which I'm sure there'll be a lot of preseason attention on that. So, you know, just, Um, trying to do a good job and and helping guys learn from experiences that, you know, gone through as coaches or been in positions where teams or players have been, you know, expected a lot of and how that's been done well and how it's not been done well.
5: So there you have it from Coach. I mean, I like the fact that he addressed, well, you know, we got coaches on this staff used to that. Now we got to get the players used to it. And uh, I'm not going to play the clips from Matt Corral, but if you caught what he had to say, you know, he he didn't say anything too interesting. That's kind of why I'm not playing it here. But, you know, he says he hears this stuff. He ignores it, not paying attention to the Heisman hype and all that. But you better believe these players are hearing this stuff. So they all say in the offseason it's not going to affect us. And I'm not saying it's going to affect Macrell because he was outside of probably two games last year. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. You know, he just did just had two inconsistent performances. So that's something Kiffin and them are going to be working on this spring. How do we get him to be more consistent? Not have a turnover-filled game. Would have beat LSU without some, if not for some of these turnovers. Maybe would have beat Arkansas without some of these turnovers. We got to give those teams credit. I'm not saying it's, you know, all Matt Corral just making mistakes, but he's got to read the field better. We just went back and watched that uh, Arkansas Ole Miss game, and he just made some terrible, terrible decisions. So got to remove that there in Oxford, and if we can get that done. Could be a hell of a season for Ole Miss. That's one other thing I wanted to play from Kiffin on how much better Mac Corral can be this season. And he also talked about that Jacob Springer, who it sounds like played linebacker at Navy. He was a very productive player. I think he may have even been all conference or no, I don't I don't even think Navy's in a damn conference, but I don't know if they give out independent awards, but hell, Jacob Springer deserved one. Now it looks like he's gonna play some safety. He's gonna play in that secondary, which uh you know, it could be interesting.
1: Where do you see Jake Springer fitting in?
0: Yeah, Jake, you know, we got a close look at him um, on service team last year. Um, you know, he he's a really good player. Um, knows for the ball. You know, we've played him at different spots. But, you know, he's a safety type, you know, that could you know play sub in your different personnels, nickel, dime, those type of things.
4: Hey,
3: Lane, about the quarterback position, kind of following up on that, Obviously, for Corral, this is the first time in his college career that he has any continuity with offensive coordinators and that kind of thing. Um, how much better can he be in this next season or what do you try to get what do you try to do with him in this spring to sort of help get him there?
0: Well, not just you know his first time returning with a new system, but his first time having a spring with this system. so you know, I'd like to think that would help. Um, I'd like to, if we think if we had that, he would have played better and so you know, now we do know some issues that have popped up, you know, having a season of playing with him. And so we're able to work on those, and, and hopefully he can take the next step. You know, from instead of being an elite college quarterback, whatever, you know, seven, eight of the ten games, you know, doing it all the time.
5: All right, and one final thing here on Ole Miss, or forgot to mention this, but uh, they've got a couple guys out for baseball, John Rice, Plumley. And Jerry on Ely, both of them on the baseball team, obviously top five team in the nation. Lane Kiffin's not going to pull them off a team trying to win a national championship just for spring football. So that's pretty cool of Coach Kiffin. But the reason I bring that up, he was asked about John Rice and will he transition to a slot receiver position. He said they've not really had those conversations at this time because they're waiting for him to wrap up baseball. So that is something that the, it sounds like they're contemplating here. But Ole Miss got a pretty deep quarterback room after uh, they landed uh, the Starkville native. I'm trying to think of his name. True freshman. Altmeyer, I believe, is his name. Hell, they've got a very deep quarterback room going into the spring. So, And John Rice... You know, if he if he had a shot, certainly he's not going to have a shot at the starting quarterback role now that uh, he's not there for the spring. But maybe losing ground on that backup role. So we'll see what happens when baseball comes to an end this season for John Rice Plumley and the Ole Miss Rebels, and uh, just something to, something to think about there. Because if there's one position, and it's not like they're lacking for talent or anything, but Ole Miss could use some receivers. And towards the end of last season, we saw. Plumley kind of makes some plays there on the perimeter. So that could be his future. That's another one I got damn wrong. But, uh, (laughs) hey, there's too many people that uh, remind you everything they got right. I get a ton of shit wrong, but uh, at least I remind you of it. All right, next thing. Let's uh, jump on down to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. Coach O met with the media here recently. And interesting comments here from Coach O. We all know the disaster that was last season. And speaking of, uh, you know, I mentioned Ole Miss being number one in returning production. LSU, number two in returning production in the SEC. 79% returning, 82% on offense, 76% on defense. And the entire offense and defensive line returning for LSU. So a lot of high hopes that things get turned around. But it's probably going to come back to quarterback. You know, we were kind of inconsistent there with LSU last season. Miles Brennan was great at times. Defense fell apart. Tank Finley. I thought he was awesome there for a minute, and then he kind of fell apart. And then insert Max Johnson. And, you know, I went back and watched his games against uh, Florida and Ole Miss, 2-0, and as Coach O likes to say, only 2-0 and quarterback we got on this roster. Something about him, man, where it doesn't necessarily look Pretty all the time, especially I'm talking when he's throwing the football. It's a, it's not a. He doesn't throw ugly. He's not like he's throwing ducks out there. But man, he just puts it where it needs to be. He's got great touch, and he's obviously the most, uh, most athletic, quickest quarterback there on the roster. But is that something you really need when you got all five offensive linemen returning? We'll get to Coach O's comments here in a minute. But he's looking for this offensive line to step up and be you know, one of the strengths of the team like they were in the 2019 season. So do we need the more mobile option? I don't know. That's uh, that's something for the Tigers to work out. But I thought he shared a great story, Coach O, on the unselfishness of his team. They've had some running back injuries, nothing serious. But, you know, they were down to basically uh, to sound like one running back and they had guys switching over and doing all this. So uh, let's kick it over to Coach O on the unselfishness that he's seeing from this team this spring. Yeah. Hey Ed, uh, you shared a cool story this morning on the radio about the running backs and your yeah. scrimmage. If you could recount that with us and yeah. just kind of go over it. And then what did you learn about your
4: team um, in, this, in this first week that maybe yeah. you didn't already know? Yeah, very close, next man up, unselfish. Yeah. You know, we was in a team run scrimmage, and uh, Tyron Davis went out uh, – at the beginning of practice uh you know john was in a gold shirt so he couldn't scrimmage josh wish josh williams got hurt we're down the one running back he had 39 carries he needed a break i uh, just said they don't have enough running backs we had four plays left of team run i said we need to put somebody in there and the wide receivers john trey kirkland corey Merle- moore uh, trey Palmer, they all went in there we ran the toss with them they did it pretty well and i stopped the team i said that was a teachable moment that that's a hey, we're on the football field, we got to go next man up. You never can tell when you when time's going to come, but it showed me a lot of unselfishness. I think our team's more together this year. Uh, I think our coaching staff is together. Uh, we got some very talented quarterbacks. All four of them are doing very well right now. Uh, on the offensive side, uh, we're doing very well on the offensive line. Our receivers are catching the ball well. We just got to find some running backs. You know, they're hurt right now, so we don't have an identity right there. I know we're going to get it though.
5: I just really like this story because last season, you know, I hate to say it, and I don't like to call out the players, but had a lot of opt-outs. You know, we didn't we didn't like to call people out. I hope hope to God we never hear the word opt-out again <laughs> in a meaningful way, outside of just talking about last season. But I don't know, LSU just was basically the opposite of an unselfish team, I thought, last year, and it certainly showed on the field. Inconsistencies and busts and lack of communication and You know, maybe I'm reading too much into just a spring story here, but this is the makings of uh, what you want to see. Things turn around in Baton Rouge. I think if I'm an LSU fan, I'm pretty fired up to hear that story. And then, uh, of course, the defense. We got a lot of players returning, but they were so bad last year. We like to say it was all Bo Pelini, and let's hope it was. Because if it was, Duranta Jones, new defensive coordinator, maybe he'll uh, get that swagger. Back in Baton Rouge, and the Tigers are going to have a really good defense. They got the pieces, certainly. So there's pressure on that group too to get it done. And uh, I thought uh, Coach O had some interesting comments here. He's getting more hands-on. You know, I admits uh, you know he was not made some big mistakes here in the in the hiring process. And of course, he was saying, uh, <laughs> as he mentions here, he thought Bo Pelini was a hell of a hire. So obviously, he wasn't. Not making any bold statements this year. I learned his lesson. But uh, I, th- I just thought these were interesting comments from, from Coach O. And then finally hits on the goals of the spring. I thought these were some uh, interesting comments as well.
1: Um, you talked about the, the team is uh, more together this year. Uh, Andre and Anthony talked about communication last week being a big factor in mistakes uh, with the defense last year. Yeah. Uh, can you see more of a difference from last year to
4: this year? Uh, Yeah, you know, I'm going to be careful what I say about last year to this year because last year I said something to come back to bite me, so I'm going to be very guarded in what I say. All right, but I do see a difference. I see our guys with their cleats in the grass. I see communication being better. I see the defense simpler. I see our guys attacking and playing football. But I'm going to hold judgment to the season. Lesson learned. Two
2: questions, uh, one kind of general. If you had a whiteboard
5: and you were like, this is what I want to accomplish this spring. Yeah. Uh, was, there, was there one or two that really stood out to you? And then yeah. second, how did you approach the quarterback battle? Did you sit yeah.
4: down and say, look, we're not going to decide it in the spring. We're going to play the ball and kick the ball? Okay, Yeah. Well, first of all, we want to accomplish physical toughness. We want to get back to playing LSU style of football on defense. Eliminate explosive play. But, you know, I told the coaches, man, it's how you talk to the team. And uh, it's not exactly what we do, it's how we do it, how you present it to the team, or you clear it to the team, do they understand what we expect, take our time. We're not putting a lot in. we we got two defenses in. The first week we put in two defenses, one base defense and one blitz and we ran it the whole week. Uh, on offense, we want to establish uh, the spread offense again. We want to put the ball in our playmakers' hands in space and let them make plays. And uh, you know, I challenge the offensive line we got to have a five man protection. We're not keeping a tight end in. We're not keeping a back. I want to get five guys out, let them roll. You know, If we need to, we will, but we've got to win our one on ones. Challenge the defensive line, the defense to be in great condition. I don't think we've been in great condition. Uh, we're not great football shape like we want to be and be in the best position we can possible.
0: Just on the evaluation of a defense and making sure that we yeah. are understanding things, what have you learned from you know, your. The past year to, to know that what you're saying is getting. Better.
4: Yeah, well, I need to know. I know that I've coached defense for 40 years, and last year I, I kind of stood out of it. This year I'm not. If I see something I don't like, we're not doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm very hands on. I don't need to be. Durante has is very capable. He knows the, the back seven, he knows the front seven. He's an excellent coach. We got eight, But you know what? It's my responsibility, and uh, I'm not letting it go. If there's something our players cannot perform, we're not doing it. I want to keep it simple. I want to keep keep our cleats in the grass, do I want to play good fundamental defense. And Saturday, the defense got the upper hand. They played very well on defense, and they're doing exactly what we want to do. We had very, uh, very few missed tackles. We had very few explosive plays. I think we only had seven in the big scrimmage as opposed to 16 on Thursday. So we we'll want eliminate explosive plays, eliminate mineral errors, and not let people wide open down the field.
5: All right, so I've seen Coach O take some heat for some of these comments, but and I guess a little bit deservedly so, but you got to put things into perspective, man. I mean, last year was a COVID year. Coach O, believe it or not, not the only SEC coach that hired someone without interviewing them. That happened. And I think, you know, maybe I'm speaking for coach O here, but I assume what he's means is must've called them and zoomed these guys or, or whatever, but maybe just didn't get that face to face time and bringing guys in and just wasn't working out. So different story this year I know they uh, swung out they they struck out on a couple defensive coordinators but hell like Coach O says I mean he was not the first option there's a long long list of successful coaches that were not the first option including guy we just talked about Dan Mullen he was not Florida's first option and he's been you know borderline awesome for the Gators so you know, at the end of the day, none of that shit matters. It matters what you do on the field. Now he's got his guys. Certainly some pressure, as uh, Coach O talked about on a previous uh, podcast here. He's got some pressure on him. But like I said, he's got all this talent. And if you nailed these hires, the pressure is going to be immediately off his seat pretty damn quick. All right, last spot to uh, hit on here. Let's jump on down to Nashville. I make it down. Where the Commodores popping pads for the first time this spring. Uh, Clark Lee's first spring camp, obviously, is a head coach down there. And uh, the Commodores, man, if you missed it, they had a big day on the recruiting trail. Landed three commitments on the same day, all from the defensive side of the ball. And of course, uh, you know, he can't talk, Clark Lee, that is, he can't talk about the players or anything until they've actually signed, but he could still kind of talk about uh, the inroads he's making there. He's a Nashville guy. We all know he's hired Barton Simmons, former 24 uh, 7 sports analyst and, and scout, and all, whatever the hell he did all there up there. But these relationships are already established. So you're seeing that. I mean, hell, Tennessee fans would like to get three commits in a single day. They haven't gotten a single commit in this class. So Vanderbilt gets their first three all on the same day. Pair of three stars here, and one kid that's uh, unrated. They got Langston Patterson, linebacker from Nashville. B.J. Diakite from uh, Penson, Alabama, and Linus Zook, defensive end, from Reuben Gap, Georgia. So, hey, if Barton Simmons likes these guys, Clark Lee likes these guys, they're all on the defensive side of the ball. You know they do if they're taking their commitments. Big day for Vanderbilt on the recruiting trail, and that uh, is something Clark Lee was asked about during his most recent media availability. Just basically how this staff is uh, coming in and... uh, the feedback they're getting from local coaches and not just local coaches, but just high school coaches in general.
3: Hey Clark, uh, big day yesterday. I know you can't get into specifics, but uh, how
1: do you feel you guys have been received as a staff by uh, local and in-state coaches so far?
3: Received really well. I think there's, there's, we have guys with deep relationships in the area in general that obviously having alums on staff that, you know, have, have been a part of this program. Um, also helps, but yeah, no, we've, we've been received well, and we're looking to, to build, you know I mean? It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of excitement and I, I think particularly once we get, um, the chance to get players and coaches around this coaching staff and around this program, I think that'll only help with, with traction and recruiting. So exciting day, but definitely, um, you know, something we want to continue to build on. And,
2: and if I can just one more, uh... A lot of coaches find it frustrating that uh, Vanderbilt has the high academic uh, um, standards. That it's hard. The pool is so small compared to other SEC schools. But I would imagine Notre Dame and Wake and other places you've been are probably pretty similar, right, to the to those standards.
3: I, I don't view that as a. I mean, that's a point of celebration for me, not a point of frustration. I think it's um, it gives us a chance to to recruit a certain type of young person that, again, is high-reaching, high-achieving in all areas, um, you know, that, that is exciting to me. And what, what Vanderbilt becomes, you know, in my vision is the kind of breeding grounds for the future leadership of our country. I mean, this is a program that's going to be dealing with with players that will certainly go on to have NFL careers, but also uh, equally as important. You know, we'll, we'll go on to take leadership positions in our community, in our business industry. Um, and so through, you know, w- with that in mind, you know, that's that's why the important, uh, that's why the work here that we're doing is so important.
5: All right. And I also like the fact that Ellie, he's not running away from the academics. Now, it's one thing to say that they've got to fulfill that. But, you know, this is uh, kind of part of Clark Lee's mission here. He wants to get guys to the NFL, but also wants to make strong business leaders and leaders in the community and all that and and sure you know basically all coaches say that but uh, now we got we gotta see that put into action but again I, I love what I'm hearing from Clark Lee and I mentioned Barton Simmons there for a reason because Clark Lee was also asked about that what exactly is Barton Simmons role with the Vanderbilt Commodores and I I figured with their big recruiting day you gotta give it a hat tip there to Barton and uh, the work he's doing for the Vanderbilt Commodores. Because they're landing uh, kids with the you know long list of offers here, so here's Clark Lee on what exactly Barton Simmons does in his program.
4: Uh, I'm sure
1: this was asked weeks or months ago, um, but now that you know recruiting has started back up, or at least commitments have have started coming in. Yesterday, uh, can you talk about the process of hiring Barton Simmons? I know you guys go way back, so how did that come to fruition? And now that recruiting is underway, what sort of role does he play? Uh, both recruiting and dev- uh, sorry, recruiting and identifying um, the talent that you bring in.
3: So Barton oversees our system for recruiting. Meaning, that there's multiple facets to that, right? There's the scouting um, aspect where we're we're looking for specific traits, physical traits, um, and and also um, those those um, you know aspects of character and and um, academic performance. But, you know, Sm- Smoke Dixon is, is um, kind of directly responsible for that. Um, you know, he's got Darius starting box and Brandon Jones working with him, too. Uh, th- those, that scouting operation um, is really the, the starting point for, you know, both film evaluation, workout evaluation, you know, point of attack tape, game tape. Um, they spend their time grinding through films. To uh, determine, you know, who has the traits necessary um, for us to develop, you know, into elite level performance. Um, Nick Valdeseri over, oversees our kind of recruiting operation. He's the recruiting coordinator that has on campus a, an on campus component that Christina Deruder is is um, has just come on board. Uh, it's got an operations component that Coco Nelson oversees, but that's really more about. Um, The the direct um, experience of uh, the prospect when they're on our campus, but also some of the more um, important uh, transcript evaluations, um, high school relations, you know, those aspects of the recruiting process kind of funnel through them. You know, Barton oversees it all. Barton obviously has, um, you know, my relationship with him was important only because. It, you know, I think there's just a mutual respect and trust, but I hired him not because he he and I were really close. I hired him because he's a, he's an incredibly skilled evaluator. Um, he's got a great perspective on the landscape of college football. Um, you know, uh, and he's an outside the box thinker. And for me in that role, I needed someone that understood the unique, um, aspects of being at Vanderbilt. Um, the advantages that we can compound over time to to create separation for this program Um, and and, and someone who had the the discipline and the patience to see those processes through so much of college sports is transactional so much of it is short-term based and i needed someone that was right there with me that that was gonna that was gonna constantly be thinking about that 10-year plan for success and again that's not to say that we're waiting 10 years to be successful it's just saying that all the decisions we make um, that will create short-term you know open up avenues for short-term success but all of those decisions are ultimately geared towards um, getting this program to a level of sustainability that to me the 10-year mark 10-year to 20-year mark is is where we'll be measured Um, and and that's why barton is so special because he doesn't come here with hey this is how we did it at another school and you know, let's recruit this way or why, you know, why is it that we can't recruit this person? Like he, he doesn't ask those questions. He, he looks at Vanderbilt. Hey, what makes this place unique? How do we stay committed to the things that are important to us to make sure that we're delivering players here that can flourish and help us change the trajectory of the program.
5: All right. Some good stuff there from Vanderbilt's head coach. And you kind of see why, you know, if you're paying attention, I know they got a long road to go, but I think they're, they're making the right, they're taking baby steps, make no mistake. I mean, they're, hell, we're in the SEC here. They're going up against the Giants of college football, but they're taking baby steps to get Vanderbilt back to relevancy. And, you know, you may enjoy poking fun at Vanderbilt or what have you, but the league is better when they're competitive, when they're winning their non-conference games, when they're contending in conference play. And I hope that happens sooner rather than later. All right, guys, so that's all I got here. Man, I spieled on here forever. Hope you guys appreciated this one. I think I'm getting a little bit better without Shane here being my co-pilot. I know it's still uh, not quite the same without the big Tennessee homer. He'll be back on the next episode, though. Just had a busy day at work there. But, uh, hey, that's going to do it. And if you made it this far, if I if you weren't turned off by me just spieling here by myself, go ahead and leave us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. That goes a long way to growing the show and getting the word out. That's why we ask you to do it. And if you do that, of course, we send you a beer koozie free of charge. Just our way of saying thanks. We really do appreciate each and every one of the listeners. But that's going to do it. Thanks for joining me as always. See you on the next one.